the health spending account encompasses all health and dental bills for the employees. It's a better way to set a plan and run a plan because it deals specifically with the employees as an individual. You're listening to the Small Business Mastermind, a podcast created to help small businesses juggle business, finance, health, and wellness. I'm your host, Morgan Berna. To subscribe to the podcast, visit olympiabenefits.com slash podcast. The Small Business Mastermind is brought to you by Olympia Benefits. To learn how you can save on your health and dental costs, visit olympiabenefits.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Small Business Mastermind. On today's episode, we are bringing back Daniel Gillis to explain health spending accounts from the perspective of a business with employees. If you don't have employees, episode 21 has information on health spending accounts specific for incorporated professionals. Before we go any further, yes, Olympia Benefits is a health spending account provider, but our goal with this podcast is always to be transparent and educational, and I wouldn't bring on someone that I didn't feel could meet those values. This time around, we have Dan explaining what a health spending account is, how it compares to a traditional health insurance plan, the tax benefits this type of plan has for employees and employers, how claims are made and funded, if there are any downsides for this type of plan, and more. It's a complete overview of this type of plan, but if you do still have questions after listening, please jump over to olympiabenefits.com and send us a question there through our chat feature. We'll be happy to help. And this is also our last episode of 2020. We will be back in January with our regular schedule, but I did want to take a moment to wish you a happy holiday season and a happy new year. And even if it looks a little bit different this year, I hope you're still able to enjoy it. All right. So with that, let's jump right into this interview and I'll be talking to you again at the end of the episode. Welcome back, Dan. Thank you so much for joining us again for our health spending account series. Today, we're going to be talking about group plans. Thank you so much. I'm I'm excited. Daniel Gillis is a benefits and insurance specialist based in Calgary, Alberta. He is the founder and president of West Shield Financial Solutions and a partner with Olympia Benefits. Daniel began his career as a personal banker with RBC Bank in 1990, working at branches in Manitoba, British Columbia, and Alberta. In 1999, he became an agent with RBC Insurance. He continued his career as an independent insurance and benefits advisor after forming West Shield Financial Solutions in 2003. As an independent insurance advisor, Daniel connects with life and disability insurance providers to develop tailor-made insurance solutions for his clients. As a partner with Olympia Benefits, Daniel also helps incorporated business owners save money by setting up health spending accounts for themselves and providing benefits for their employees. And you have a bit of experience yourself with using both traditional insurance models for groups and health spending accounts. Do you want to just quickly talk about some of the differences you've noticed personally? Uh, yeah, for sure. I, In my past life, I was... Uh, a banker with RBC Bank, and so for that about 10 years in the 90s, I was part of a group plan that was provided by the employer, which was RBC at that time, and that was a traditional plan. Uh, it was administered by Sun Life, and so as people are probably quite familiar with that kind of program. They may have been on one in the past themselves or are today, uh, and so you get a schedule of benefits, and you open that booklet and you kind of take a peek through and it's maybe 89 pages long or something. And, you know, you, you see, for example, vision hundred percent or something like that. And you think this is fantastic. So away you go and you can go to the dentist or you buy your glasses or you do the things that you do for health and dental services, those things that you need and that you make appointments for and you file your claim eventually and you get reimbursed back. Looks like insurance. Mm-hmm. It's called insurance call it health and dental insurance. You know, we have a health and dental insurance plan. It's administered by or provided by Sun Life. So guess what? I think it's insurance and why wouldn't I? And so anyways, I get that reimbursement back according to that schedule of benefits. Sometimes I get reimbursed quite well, most of the claim and sometimes not very well at all. You know, maybe Vision's a good example where, you know, I saw 100%, but I bought those glasses, I spent $500, and I maybe got $100 back or something. Yes. And, and that's because the vision under the plan 
because the employer comes together with the insurer, in that case, you know, Sun Life, and they put together a schedule of benefits. What is going to be paid out, what isn't, to what amounts, and so on. So it can be a bit deceiving. It is an employer-paid benefit. It's tax-free to the employees. It flows through the insurer and out to the employees. But there is a schedule of benefits that lays out, you know, what can be claimed. And there will be limits because, again, it's an employer-paid benefit. So the employer, of course, is going to have to limit sooner or later, you know, how much can we pay, how much do we want to pay, and, and what's affordable and what's competitive. So, so I like to use that vision example because it comes up often in other situations where, you know, I'm assuming I've got a 100% coverage for everything. But in reality, these are um, tax-free employer-paid benefits flowing through the insurer out to the employee. And there's a schedule that says what you can claim and what what you cannot. And then what percentage of things. So under that vision at 100%, what they're referring to there is the eye examination. And then the frames and lenses and other hardware you'll buy it's going to be part of that limit, but there'll be, it'll be capped, maybe a hundred or a couple hundred dollars or something like that. So these are very much employer-sponsored, tax-free health and dental benefit plans. The insurance plans work that way, and um, so do the health spending accounts that we're talking about today. They work virtually the same way. It's just how they're set up, how they're administered, and how money flows out to the employees. Absolutely. So we're going to dive more into the health spending accounts. I did want to say too, I've used both types of plans and with Olympia, this was my first time with a health spending account. And I've just found it to be so freeing as an employee to not have to worry about what I'm going to owe on my health care because, you know, I would go to the dentist before and I'd still owe money at the end and it would be sometimes really hard to, to make that payment or say I injured myself and I needed to go to physio 10 times and you could only go five times. So I've just found this to be really flexible and really great. So I'm excited to be talking about it today for everyone listening who has employees or any employees listening. So uh, let's start off quite simply. What is a health spending account and what does it cover? So I, to answer that question, you know, I touched on it a bit just in my um, explanation on that plan that I was on in the past, that traditional plan. And a, a health spending account is really an arrangement between an employer and an employee that allows that employer to reimburse the employees for their health and dental bills. Uh, and that reimbursement is tax-free in the hands of the employees. Um, so there's more than one way to set up a plan. Really, when you look at how these plans operate, and the reason they're tax-free is because of the Income Tax Act, which I think we're going to come to in another question here shortly. But yeah. that arrangement is set up. The employer decides how many dollars they're going to they're going to be able to afford or want to afford and pay to the employee. They set that limit. They then um, enroll the employee, and the employee has that annual limit. Like you were talking about, Morgan, you have an annual health spending account limit, so you know that's your bucket of money, if you will. And you can use that anywhere you like, um, directing those dollars where and when you need them. So they're timed perfectly. If you don't have to go and have a dental service or you're not buying uh, the vision or you're not going to the physiotherapist at the moment, well, you don't have a need. But when you do, you know that you can pay that bill. You can turn around, file that claim. You'll be reimbursed back for the whole amount of what you just used. So it addresses your needs uniquely. Um, which is a great way to run a benefit plan. Your unique needs, of course, are going to be different than mine. And the spending account is going to address that uh, just about perfectly um, when and where you need it. Absolutely. For for me personally, something I'd always wanted to do was get braces. And it was just never covered even a little bit under my traditional plans I'd been part of. So it was something I was saving up for. And then when I got this plan, I was able to cover it. And that was so great to just have that weight off my shoulders, be able to do something that improved um, my teeth, improved my health there, and then to not have to to owe as well. So that's been really great. You did touch a bit on how this compares to traditional insurance, but yes. can an HSA work in conjunction or tri- or can it complement a traditional insurance plan? It can, yes. So in in two ways, I suppose the um, employer can set up um, a plan like this, and um, the employees can access their health uh, dollars through that health spending account plan. 
Um, maybe the employee has a spouse that has a traditional plan with their employer, and um, they'll be able to claim under that plan through their spouse and also claim under this plan. Um, and when you look at those plans, that spousal plan being an insurance plan, so back to my example, you know, the, the plan that I had when I was an employee, uh, there is dollars being paid there. And so the employee or that spouse that has that insurance plan will want to claim out of that plan first because if they don't claim, money is being paid out to that insurer each month at a premium. But if you don't claim, no benefits. So really, there's a cost to the employer, but there really there isn't a claim from the employee per se. That's a wasted dollar. So you always want to claim there first. And then in conjunction with the health spending account, the plan that the employer has set up with the health spending account for the other spouse is second payer because it's like that flexible benefit. It's that bucket of money that I mentioned the employee has to use anywhere they like. So it's money not going out the door until the employee actually claims, whereas the traditional plan, money goes out the door in the premium, the employee needs to claim or money's lost, it's not used, it's gone in a, in a premium, so to speak. So in conjunction, they can work quite nicely. The, um, the, um, the, in that example, the spouse will claim first, whatever they are reimbursed, um, then the balance or the co-payments or the non-covered items come back to the uh, to this plan under the health spending account, and the employee claims the difference. And in that case, they'll complement each other quite nicely, one paying part of it, the other paying the balance. Mm-hmm. And it can complement, but there are lots of companies that will just use health spending accounts, right? Yes, and that's usually the case where the employer looks at the plans and the health spending account encompasses all health and dental bills for the employees. And it's a it's a better way to set a plan and run a plan because it deals specifically with the employees as an individual. Like we talked about with you, Morgan, where you know you needed a specific uh, physiotherapy bill or you wanted. Uh, orthodontic works done well you can choose how to allocate the dollars so usually you'll go one plan or the other and a lot of employers you know will look at that insured plan and figure out you know it's it's not as efficient i'm not getting all the dollars to the employee i have to fit into that template and you know so many dollars for certain things where what i want to do is provide all of the dollars i have available to the employees when and where they need it so it's usually one or the other it's not often in conjunction, you know, a hybrid of the two. I have seen it happen, but in most cases, it's either go to the traditional or do the health spending account plan. Um, and with the health spending account plan, you get full accountability. The dollars are moving to the employees when they need them. If there's no claims, there's no money moved. That's going to save the employer dollars, and it's also going to be better for the employee because. If the employer doesn't have to put the dollar out and have it a wasted dollar, it's available for other things, either increased benefits or maybe it can be put into other resources that benefit both the employee and the employer. Absolutely. I know I've personally felt it's been quite stress-free and just kind of freeing being able to cater to my own health needs and not need to fit into a certain box and say, okay, I can do this much of this and this much of this. It's been nice to be like, well, these are my health needs. And it's nice that my employer sees that and is letting me manage it myself in a way. Yes. And that flex, you mentioned flex, you know, people will have heard that word flexible benefits or flex benefits. They're really talking about a spending account. Makes perfect sense when you think about it. Flex, flexible for the employee. The employee can choose where, when, and how. So you get that benefit of managing those dollars. You're in the best place or the best position to decide and, and know where, where and when you need to use your dollars. So we've talked a bit about the benefits we've seen. Um, you work with tons of companies. So what do you believe are the best benefits a health spending account has for employees and then also the benefits it has for the business? So the benefit of a health spending account for the employees is flexibility, um, total control on how to spend their dollars, how to direct their dollars. Uh, they can use it for the services that they feel uh, are most important. So if they have, uh, let's say, kids who have uh, an orthodontic bill, as an example, or that's what they choose to do, they can uh, allocate the dollars there. Maybe they uh, have LASIK eye surgery they wanted to do or been wanting to do for a long time. They can allocate the dollars there. So they aren't limited on 
to certain dollars for certain benefits. They can use them as they need to. Uh, so that flexibility gives the employee the freedom to choose. And that's going to be uh, best for the employee. It's going to give them the most value, the most benefit, probably you know, a happy employee uh, because they're not having to come out of pocket for those um, eyeglasses, you know. So, and maybe in that instance, what they really need is a pair of glasses that can be expensive and that eye examination. So that dollar, you know, uh, rewards them really and goes to and where they need it. Uh, for the employer, for the business, it's also equally as good because they know when a dollar has gone out the door, that whole dollar went to the employee. It wasn't in the traditional plan example where a dollar went out the door, you know, the employee spent $400 on, on, on vision as an example, but they only got 200 Meanwhile, the employer sent the whole dollar out the door. So it gets margined down. Only, only a fraction of the dollars reaches the employee. In a spending account for the employer, they know. A dollar went out. That was an expense, uh, a deduction, but the, whole, the employee got the whole dollar. And so it benefits both sides of the equation. The employees get to use that whole dollar. The employer knows when they've expensed the dollar. It's been entirely used up where it was intended in the hands of the employee to respond to their health and dental needs. And it's completely tax-free. Yeah. Can you touch a bit more on the tax component of it? So I know there's tax benefits for both the employee and the business. Yes. So the employee receives those dollars in their hands tax-free. So that's that's the you know, beautiful part about the Income Tax Act that deals with these plans is that's what makes this possible, uh, which is coming up in another question here. But that dollar flows to the employees outside of payroll. There's no payroll taxes on it. So it's a completely tax-free dollar, direct deposited into their account. So if they've spent $300 at the dentist, they've paid that after, sorry, they've paid that out of their personal account, of course, they filed the claim, they get the whole $300 back in their in their account, and there's no payroll tax. So it's not coming out you know, less CPP and uh, income tax and and the other payroll deductions. It's coming out 100% in their hands without tax. That's worth a lot more to it than a dollar. Uh, and for the employer, it's a deduction, 100% expense for the corporation. So the employer is deducting that, uh, that cost of that dollar for the health and dental bill. There's no payroll tax for the employer. That's going to save the employer money as well. And there's no taxes for the employees. There's savings on both sides and a a huge benefit for the employee as well without having that payroll tax. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you've hinted at this one twice now, so let's address it. What makes these plans legal? (laughs) What governs these? Um, What do employers need to know? The employers just need to know that, yes, they can do this, which is totally awesome. So by using an administrator like Olympia, they're setting the plan up. It's structured properly. It's compliant. It's the Income Tax Act that makes this tax-free. And it's a, there's a part of that Income Tax Act that deals with these plans. It's technically, technically they're called a private health services plan or a PHSB. Uh, those are, that's the legislation that governs all health and dental plans or employer, let's call them employer-sponsored health and dental plans in Canada, whether whether it's that traditional plan that the employer is sponsoring through the insurer or a health spending account. What we're talking about is a private health services plan. So the health spending account plan moves the money out tax-free to the employees uh, at the time the employee uh, pays a bill and files the claim. So it's the Income Tax Act that says the employer can set up and structure a plan. They set that limit. It's up to the employer what that limit's going to be. They then reimburse the employee for their paid health and dental bills. So the employee goes out, pays that health or dental bill, files the claim. That's the trigger for the money to move out to the employee to reimburse them up to their spending account limit, tax-free in their hands, and a deduction for the, uh, for the employer. Can a health spending account be used in any province? Um, it can, except for the province of Quebec. In Quebec, these plans are taxed. Uh, so there's really no benefit uh, for the employee. It's no different than uh, pay, sorry, payroll coming out to them after tax. So if a company's listening to this and they're curious about trying this, is there certain qualifying factors that they would need to meet? Um, for you know, qualifiers for, for the business? Uh, not really. It's just a matter of, I guess, do they want to provide 
benefits for their for their employees. Uh, qualifying is they have the ability to to pay the bills to set up the health spending account plan, uh, and then for the employees, uh, do they are they actually employees, not contractors? That's important. I get those calls, you know, where they may have uh, subcontractors or contractors that work for them. So the the dollars flow out tax free to an employee, and that employee to define them, they really have to be someone that's being paid by the employer and earning T four income. Uh, so the qualifiers are: they have a business, they are incorporated. If they're not incorporated, um, they can't set up a plan. They must be incorporated, and they must have those employees that earn T four income. Those are pretty much the qualifiers. From there, it's a matter of just plan parameters, dollar amounts, and what they want to afford. Okay, and then I know at Olympia, kind of our specialty is small businesses. I mean, that's a big part of starting this podcast, starting the blog we have to just provide value for small business. But what size company is ideal for a health spending account? And does it matter how many employees a company has? Good question. Yeah, it uh, doesn't matter. Minimum size, one employee. So these plans start at one employees. And you know what? Uh, That's a really good question because I get that question all the time. You know, we only have one employees or I hear a lot of small businesses saying, you know, we're we're really small. We only have two employees or we only have three employees. (laughs) And it's, it's a great question. I love that one because one employee is all it takes. These plans address a, a single employee and can be scaled up to, you know, as many employees as the employer has or will have in the future. So the beautiful part of the plans, yes, you can do this. You can have one employee set up the plan, away you go. That's all you ever have. The plan works as good with one employee as it does with 100 employees or the number of employees that you have. Yeah, so large companies can use this as well. Yes, exactly. Awesome. It makes no difference on that size. Just a matter of do you have that employee and you can plug the plan in and away you go. That's great. So a thing that I know comes up a lot with traditional insurance is pre-existing medical conditions. Does that come into play at all here? Does that disqualify employees or or change costs? Um, it doesn't. And that's also one of the... Uh, benefits of the health spending account is that money's flowing to the employees to reimburse them for their paid health and dental bills. There's no pre-existing condition clause. You may have a pre-existing condition or the employee may. And what's going to change is that they're going to be able to claim those dollars for those pre-existing conditions the way they would for any health or dental bill. Um, so if the employee already has a prescription drug that they're taking on a regular basis, the employer sets up a plan, sets up the health spending account, gives that employee X number of dollars a year, the employee can turn around and claim those um, future prescription drug claims, for example, or prescription drug bills that they pay under the health spending account. So no, pre-existing conditions never come into play in regards to a health spending account. Fantastic. And what about age limits? Uh, does it matter how old, how old or young employees are? No. And I always like to ask people how young they are, you know, just for fun. And, you know, I get those calls you know, uh, we have an employee who's, you know, 75 years old or, you know, I have someone in the family working for me um, and and a parent or something like that. And it doesn't matter. Age is not, does not come into play in respect of a health spending account. The only thing that matters is, does that person work for you? Are they an employee? Yes. Beautiful. You can set them on the plan and send them, or sorry, assign them the same annual limit as anyone else or a special limit if that's what you come up with. And that's the beautiful part about these plans. It's flexible for the employee, but it's also flexible for the employer to uh, address those employees regardless of their age. And then what about if the employee has dependents? So say they have a couple kids, a spouse, um, can the coverage extend to them? I think you touched a bit on this with, with the first question. Yeah. And so like any um, benefit plan, that employee is enrolled on the plan. They are then able to add their dependents, that's spouse and kids, and they can claim for themselves and their dependents. And they get to, again, have that flexible benefit to allocate the dollars where and when they need. So they're sprinkling the dollars amongst their family. And I know, uh, as in most families, you've got a kid going to the dentist or yourself or your spouse, then you're going to pay that bill and you're going to claim it. So it really works first in, first out for your family as as the bills are incurred. And um, dependents up to age 21 
if they're full-time students, they can be included up to age 25. Fantastic. So what about um, a company? So they've got a few different employees, maybe a couple are full-time, maybe a couple are part-time. In that sort of situation, would the company have to cover every employee? Good question. No, they don't have to cover every employee. Uh, Most I think what I find, you know, in day-to-day working with small business owners and in businesses with employees is that they typically want to cover all employees, um, mostly full-time employees. Um, some will include part-time. That's They don't have to do that. And you don't have to, for that matter, include all of the employees if, if, the, if they didn't want to for one reason or another. So they could select a group of employees, include them on the plan, and not include another group of employees. Um, so there aren't any rules on having to have everybody included. It could be a problem, of course, optics within within the business, so they might want to look at that from that angle. But from the perspective of having to provide um, the health spending account for all employees, no, it's a, it's a choice the employer can make. And they can, again, do different limits for different classes of employees. So they, they could have a class of employee, for example, family with kids. They might have a higher limit. They might have single, uh, a lower limit, or they might have just full-time employees, same for everybody, regardless of dependents. So once we've set this up as the business owner, um, we've chosen everyone getting funded, how then are the claims funded by the business? So funding of claims is going to relate back to number of employees and annual limits. And really, it's a simple process. Again, you're, let's just use an example. Let's say you had... Um, 12 employees at $1,000, but he used easy math. <laughs> so so you've got these 12 employees, <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> you've, you've enrolled them on the plan. You know that all 12 of them, uh, well, that's pretty easy math. It's a $12,000. That's $1,000 an employee. So when are they going cl- to claim? How much? Of course, no one knows. We know there's likely to be claims. Um, so how do you fund the plan? So we recommend you fund the plan at one twelfth of the employee limits. So easy math again, 12000 divided by 12 is $1,000 a month. That's, that's what we call our recommended funding, um, monthly funding amount. The employer is totally free to design that uh, monthly funding amount. A minimum is $100, some cash flow each month, maximums, whatever they want to set it at. And what actually is funded is up to the employer. And the one twelfth rule works quite well. Just it's simply a multiplication of number of employees times annual spending account limits equals X. Divide that by twelve. You know that's a great way to to set up a plan and and fund it, and that can be adjusted at any time. So if there's if for whatever reason uh, funding's running ahead of claims more than the employer would like, and the and the funding account is accumulating, they can slow it down. They can go in and adjust that monthly funding and reduce it. If they're getting tight to that budget and they're finding that, you know, five days before the end of the month, they ran out of money. Well, what they'll do is do an EFT, electronic funds transfer, move more money into that account to top it up so that claims can be paid and then maybe adjust the funding draw on the first of the next month, increase it a bit to give a little bit more money for the next month. So they have that flexibility to adjust that funding on the fly, manage the plan and, and, and just make changes to make their life easy. Are there limits with both minimums and maximums for how much employees can be funded? Yes. You know, technically, there aren't restrictions under that. And that's speaking, you know, under the Income Tax Rules, Income Tax Act Rules, and so on. But for purposes of of this plan, the minimum limit is $250, maximum is $15,000. So an employer is free to set that limit between those minimum and maximum ranges, uh, and whatever they can, they want to set up, and they can make adjustments um, to that limit annually, and they can again they can have different limits by different classifications, so they can uh, treat employees uh, differently as they if they see fit, and of course themselves most importantly or as important for the employer that, who's going to use the plan themselves, um, they can set a high limit, uh, and a high limit really just means they'll be able to claim everything that they that they need to for their health and dental bills. Is there a limit on what the employer can give themselves compared to employees? Yes. um, We follow a rule that the employer's limit should not be more or greater than 10 times that uh, employee, full-time employee limit. That 
keeps the plan on side from a tax perspective. So we don't what we don't want to have is a hugely lopsided arrangement where the employer has this massive limit and an employee has a very small limit because that could be um, called out as you know a taxable shareholder benefit um, mm-hmm. just just because it's so unbalanced, right? So we want to be careful when we set these plans up. They should be reasonable. Limits should be reasonable in relationship to what that owner or that shareholder's limit is in relationship to what that full-time employee limit is. Awesome. So let's talk about now the employees actually making a claim. So say an employee has gone to the dentist, what happens next? That's a great question. Um, the employee will be able to claim immediately actually when they when they come out of the dental office and I talk to a lot of business owners and with employees about that that they should use the claim app so we have an app that can be downloaded uh, for Apple and Android they can also go online of course log into their plan later on that day or whenever they like and enter the claim online but the claim app is is best because it allows a quick return of that um, reimbursement to the employee right at the right at the time that they filed the claim, or sorry, that they've incurred that bill. So if they're at the dental office, they've paid a dental bill, they got that receipt, they're sitting in their car, they can open up the app, they can punch in the claim, take a snapshot of that receipt, they've uploaded it, they're done. So really within minutes of having paid that health or dental bill, they've already entered their claim and submitted it, they'll have that reimbursement back within two business days to their personal account. So that claim app really sets the, uh, the speed in which they're going to get reimbursed back and that's that's the best option they if they're not in a hurry and they're gonna hope to get their money back and, and they don't want to do it right at that moment they can do the app later on or they can claim online uh, when they're at their computer later on that day at work or at home yeah it's so great with the app i've done it just like you said at the dental office afterwards just immediately take the picture of the receipt put it in there then it's out of mind and you just wait till you get refunded. Right. And that's, that's right. The out of mind thing is probably as important as, you know, wanting to get reimbursed quickly. It's, I know I've done it not enough to worry about it later on. Who wants to kick that can down the road? And there's not a lot of paperwork, which I love. <laughs> you just put right? in, put in a few fields there. So it's really quick. So let's talk about the company's money again. So they've funded the account. Like you said, say we're doing 12 employees, a thousand dollars each um, over the year, they've put in $12,000. Then there's money left unclaimed at the end of the year. Maybe a few employees made very little claims or no claims at all. What happens with this money? So that money is still sitting in that um, um, employer's, let's call it a claims bank account. So that employer's money is sitting in their plan uh, and it's there to be used for the following year's claims. It's still their dollars. It's going to roll over and fund next year's claims unless the employer requests the money is refunded back and they have that control as well. So completely transparent plan. They can anytime they log they're logged in as that plan administrator, they're going to see the balance of their claims bank account or that claims funding account. And at the end of the year, as you said, Morgan, if they have if all the employees haven't claimed all of their dollars, they're going to have a surplus. That's Again, that speaks back to what we had talked about earlier, that uh, money that isn't used, still in the hands of the employer. That's good for the employee and good for the employer. It just means we aren't wasting dollars. So the employer can, if the employer does nothing, the money rolls forward. Next year's claims, they've already got a a, a fund or that claims bank account prime to, to begin paying next year's claims. So they can adjust their funding, their monthly funding. They can leave it as it is, let that surplus roll, and um, or they can withdraw part or all of the funds at any time. Awesome. And so the next one we have is about how much employees can claim. We've touched on that, but something we haven't touched on is do employees contribute to this plan at all financially? Uh, n- yeah. yeah, good question. No. I get the question too, you know, because I think it, it comes from those traditional plans where, you know, the employee is paying part of the premium. Well, if we think about this plan – it's not necessary at all for the employee to pay any part of, pay part of this plan. It wouldn't make any sense. It's the employer, again, coming forward saying, I'm going to provide a benefit. Well, a benefit is something paid by somebody else, and it's there to encourage the employees to help them out and to be able to attract and retain the people that the employer want to do. So the employer puts their dollar in. The employees will claim that dollar as they need to and when they need to, if they need to. And the employees... Um, 
participation is guaranteed eventually anyways if they if they spend all of the employer's dollars well once they've hit that limit well their next dental visit they're going to pay for so that's going to come out of their pockets best to leave their dollars with them that they've earned after tax in their doll in their pocket provide them that tax-free benefit and when the employee uses up the dollars if they do they'll then pay for their next dental bill that's their contribution so no dollars are never put into this plan by the employee never collect doesn't make any sense to do that it's just we're going to take that employer's dollar they want to provide and that's going to form the basis of the plan that annual health spending account for the employees can the company then control at all what employees are claiming? No, that's, again, you know, that goes back to that traditional plan and the complications, you know, with that traditional premium type plan where we're trying to control costs. Well, the control of the costs in the spending account is the employer deciding how many dollars they want to afford. That's makes the um, health spending account so much better for everybody because it gives that employee that total flexibility. Instead of saying to the employee, look, you know, basic dental services, you can you can claim up to $500 at 100% and major at 50% and, you know, no orthodontic bill. Instead of doing that, what we do is we flip that on its head and say, here's what we're going to here's what we have available as the employer's budget for dollars. Uh, let the employees decide where to spend um, that money. And uh, that control comes in with the annual limit. So essentially, the employee's free to have that flexible benefit, spend it where and when they need it, and the control is they can only, of course, claim up to that limit um, set by the employer. And that and that simple example we used of $1,000 per employee, and there was 12 of them, well, it would be $1,000. Um, the employer, of course, can set that limit at whatever level they want, and they can also make an adjustment to the limit during the year if they, for one reason or another, decided they wanted to help someone out or or give them a little bit of extra money, they can do that. Yeah, that was something I'd sort of mentioned earlier as well, being able to really uh, have some autonomy over your own health and know your own needs. So it's it's quite nice for that. So now let's talk a little bit about the admin side of Olympia Benefits in specific. So these are going to be questions specific to Olympia Benefits. For anyone listening, um, I'll link down some resources so you can take a look at some more information about this on the website, but then I always encourage you to do a bit of your own research as well and make sure that it's the best plan for you. Although, of course, Dan, I'm sure you would say it is. <laughs> I would. <laughs> so first of all, are there fees associated with claims or any annual fees that a company should be aware of with Olympia? Yes, um, there are. It's First of all, it's fully transparent. What you see in an instant or in a glimpse is full disclosure. Um, so the fees associated with claims under the group plan are an administration fee of 8%. Um, there is a one-time setup fee, um, and there is an annual fee. So the plan ongoing costs are the administration fee, which is that 8% of claims. And again, that's going to be a great way to run a plan because of the employee's not filing any claims, there aren't the uh, claim to pay, and there's no administration fees. There's no cost until that employee claims. When they do claim, then the cost of the plan is that receipt, that being reimbursed, plus the administration fee of 8%. And there is an annual fee, a renewal fee of $99 each year on their annual renewal date. So if you set the plan up today, um, that $99 renewal fee will come due 12 months from now on your renewal date, and you, of course, get a 30-day renewal notice and I think a 15-day renewal notice letting you know a plan is coming up for renewal and that $99 fee is going to be charged. And there are a one-time setup fee. It is $335. So the $335 is the setup fee for the whole group uh, to set that plan up, set the parameters, um, get that plan established and running, and then each employee that you enroll is a one-time $40 fee. Awesome. And then are there any downsides that you see to Olympia's health spending account? Um, the only downside to a, I have to think about this one because it comes up and, and, you know, what are the downsides to a health spending account? The only thing that I can think of that would be a downside to the health spending account is that there isn't that you know, pay direct card where the employee has that ability to pull out that card and it's paid directly. 
So to get around that or reduce that irritation, if you want to call it that, is using that claim application. The fastest way to get reimbursed, pay that bill, pull up the app, fill in your claim, take a picture, upload, you're done. Two business days, money is back in your bank account. I cannot think of anything else uh, on a spending account that's a downside mm-hmm. other than that uh, that simple inability to have that pay direct card, which I wouldn't call, you know, it doesn't come up very often as a negative. Once in yeah. a while, I hear that, but... Um, yeah, so the employee needs to have essentially the room on their credit card for their expense right. up front. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point to make. Um, Olympia does have additional benefits employers can add to the the group health spending accounts. Can you touch a little bit on these? Yes. Um, So we have some add-on programs. Uh, One is a wellness spending account. Uh, So if the employer wants to provide benefits for, let's say, a gym membership or uh, running shoes or, you know, golf clubs or some activity that uh, relates to health for the employee, they can add a wellness spending account plan on. Uh, it was a, it was great this year during lockdown to get some home gym weights and things. <laughs> right? Yeah, great time to have that wellness yep. plan in place. You know, you can't go to the gym for a period of time. So, yeah, you got to go to the store and pick up some weights, you know, and bring them home. That's That would be a taxable benefit. So the wellness spending account Unlike the house spending account, now we're talking about a taxable benefit. But it pretty much works the same way. The employer sets the limit, adds the plan on, and the employees can claim for their wellness benefits. They'll be reimbursed back as an after-tax benefit. And then are there other add-ons? The the virtual health care, which is telemedicine, and there's also some insurance. So the the virtual health care, to deal with that first, that's like a... um, a virtual doctor or virtual healthcare service, telemedicine, doctor in your back pocket. Uh, awesome program. Um, essentially, about 70% of primary care can be handled through that virtual healthcare. So, you know, maybe the employee or, or business owner doesn't have that uh, luxury to get out the door and get to see a doc, or it's an interruption, or they don't have time. Uh, in addition, they don't, it's not convenient. You know, geography, how far do I have to travel? And I have to wait. Maybe I can't get in to see my doc for a week or two. And I know, especially at COVID time, it's been, it's made that worse. It's kind of mm-hmm. exasperated. I've heard a lot of those stories coming back. Whereas the virtual healthcare is an app on your phone. You open it up, you're having a conversation almost immediately. And it includes mental health care, which I find awesome. Uh, one of those things is, you know, what do you do if you have a mental health care issue as an example. I've thought that in the past. You know, what if someone in the family has that or or you have a friend, they don't know who to talk to or how to get in touch. You could pick up that app, open it up. You have instant, instant access. So that's, that is an awesome service. It's, it's so great. It's been really helpful, I'd say, this year too with so many people, you know, you don't want to necessarily go to a, a walk-in clinic if you can't find the time to see your doctor and um, schedules have been so busy. I've used it a couple times where... Um, I'll hop on and you can usually start in a chat where you kind of let them know what you need and then they'll assign you um, a doctor to talk to. And you can do that while you're on your break at work and schedule to talk later. It's I found it really, really flexible and great. And then when you do talk to the doctor or nurse practitioner, it'll sometimes be both. To me, I felt like they've given me a lot more attention than I've ever gotten at a at a walk-in clinic. It, that's really interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I've I've heard that same feedback as well. It, it really makes you stop and think about, hmm, how do I, how best can I, you know, access these services and yep, how personal absolutely. is that? And they follow up, which is great too. So um, I'm a huge fan of, of that service. We actually did a whole episode about it. If anyone listening wants to learn more about that specific feature, I know that's become a lot more popular this year too. So um, yeah. let's keep going with add-ons then. Yes. What, what else do we have, Dan? Uh, so the third piece is insurance. Um, we have insurance being true insurance. So we have medical, travel insurance, another one called emergency medical insurance, and catastrophic drug coverage. These are insurances that can be added directly to the plan. Um, so the medical travel insurance is uh, a travel insurance plan covering the uh, employer and employees and their family members outside of Canada, sorry, outside of their home province, so in Canada and outside of Canada. It also, by the way, includes coverage for COVID-19. 
which is awesome. And uh, it's up to 45 days per trip. So that can be added onto the plan. That's real insurance. That's, of course, uh, people generally understand that if you're, let's pick on the United States, you travel down to the U.S. Um, for either you're crossing the border, you live close by, or you may be going down somewhere where it's warm. You need to have that travel insurance. If you have an accident or are suddenly ill, costs can be astronomical. That's what that insurance does. It pays for those unplanned accidents or sudden illnesses. Um, emergency medical is another add-on insurance. Emergency medical is going to cover those things that you don't plan to do at home when you're not traveling. And there's six items specifically. There's a ground ambulance, SAMI private hospital, ambulatory devices, accidental dental, private duty nursing, and convalescent care, uh, which all disclosed on the website, by the way. You can take a look at that. But those six items, when you think about them, they're all obviously only things that are going to happen if I'm suddenly ill or I've had an accident. So I can insure them. So that can be added on to the plan uh, as an insurance to cover off those unplanned health and dental bills. And by the way, it saves the spending account, if you think about it. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a, one of my kids had an ambulance ride, $300, $300 bill. So in that case, you know, rather than having the employee to claim another spending account, they're going to be reimbursed under the insurance plan because they had that ambulance and they're not going to go to the spending account, spend their dollars and reduce what's available for, you know, their day-to-day plan events like going to the dentist or buying glasses. And the third piece is catastrophic drug coverage. And that catastrophic drug coverage is designed to pay for future unknown um, prescription drugs for serious medical conditions, probably the best way. And I think people have generally have a, an idea, you know, what that would look like. I got a call from a, a person who had questions about a cancer drug that was $10,000 a month. So wow. these could be expensive drug bills. And generally speaking, the provinces do a very good job of covering off specifically that, you know, cancer care, cancer drugs. But once in a while, there are drugs that fall uh, in between the cracks. And, you know, I might be responsible for that, or I might find that I need that drug and it's not approved. And catastrophic drug coverage would help pay for those drugs. And like you said, it's true insurance. I mean, your kid needing an ambulance ride was never something you could have planned at the start no. of the year. Um, whereas going to the dentist, I know I'm going to do that every nine months or whatever. My eyes, I know I do that every year or two. These are easy things to plan and budget with the health spending account. Yes. Let's talk about Olympia benefits compared to other providers. There's quite a lot out there, but I'd like to hear what you think makes Olympia the best choice. So Olympia is a great choice for a whole bunch of good reasons. Uh, One, we've been around for the better part of 25 years. We've got great depths of experience. Um, You get to talk to uh, people uh, like me who've been around for a long time. I've spent my life doing this. I love what I do. I have a passion for this. I spend my days helping business owners set up plans, uh, walking through, you know, how best to do that, how to address employees, all the things we've been talking about. Uh, The administration fee um, that we charge is 8%. That's very competitively priced. That's about 20% lower than the average cost, the average industry fee or more. Uh, Our pricing is completely transparent. I I mentioned that earlier. You're on our website. You're looking at it. It's there. It's right in front of you. There is nothing hidden. And I get that question all the time, by the way. Do you know, I was looking at the website. I, I was looking at your plans. You know, I saw what, how things, is there any hidden fees or anything I should know? Is there anything else? <laughs> it comes up a lot. And yep. I kind of really appreciate that question because I think people are, you know, used to more traditional plans and boy, they get frustrated with them. Lots of costs, lots of things they didn't anticipate, things they couldn't claim. That's not the way this works. It's totally transparent. What you see is what you get. It's responsive and it's flexible and it's low-cost plan. So, uh, as I said, transparent, easily viewable online. There should be no questions. Everything, in fact, we went over today, there isn't anything else. There are no other charges for the plan. It's just simply what we've um, talked about and and pricing structure. Um, in addition, uh, if you are on our website looking at our Google reviews, we have over 140 reviews. Our rating is 4.7. It's the highest in the industry. Check out our reviews for proof of our professionalism, our service, and our quality. Uh, responsiveness, real-time help, live chat, 
top-of-the-line customer service. You talk to real people. Uh, and that live chat feature is is awesome. I know when I'm on someone else's website, I always look for it. You know, how do you get how do you get in touch with people? Well, that's that's an awesome way to get in touch. Just click that uh, live chat feature down in the right hand corner. It pops up. Have a chat. Um, you phone in. You get people live. So we pride ourselves on picking the phone up, answering the calls. I get a lot of that feedback where, wow, I'm, you answered the phone. <laughs> you know, I hear that. Yeah. It's kind of funny, but. And the you know the more you hear that the more it encourages you to do that and why wouldn't you I'd rather deal with it right on the spot than have something call back or leave a message uh, and then history and experience which I touched on a bit been around for twenty three years twenty four years we're a public company completely transparent I think that pretty much you know sets us apart from from the industry and mm-hmm. and those other competitors that are out there we have got such a good customer service team shout out to them they sit outside. Um of my office and I, they're always on calls, always responding to chats. So I know that's as a, they are awesome. It's great. Yeah. And folks like you, Dan. (laughs) Oh, thanks Morgan. I appreciate that. Yeah. So let's, let's do the last one here. Um, anybody who's listened, if they are interested in signing up, what do they do? Sign up is simple. Essentially you're on the website. You're looking at the information. If you look, there's a sign up button. Um, uh, up the top, if you're scrolling through the pages, you know, sign up now. It's done online. You click that button, takes you to the web page. It uh, asks you for some real basic information: first, last name, email address. You select the plan from the drop-down menu, and you you tick the box to agree to the terms and conditions, which you read and are straightforward. Again, fully transparent, nothing hidden. And away you go. Five minutes later, plan's open. You get your welcome email and you're off to the races. You can claim the same day. No waiting period, no pre-existing conditions. Uh, Employees can claim same day as well. The whole process is done literally in five minutes online. So great. And I mentioned this on on part one of this episode for um, Incorporated Professionals, but this podcast is intended to be educational. We do this to provide the best that we can find for small businesses. And I wouldn't bring someone on if I didn't feel they could accurately describe these plans. So thank you so much for answering all those questions, Dan, and doing these two episodes. And for anyone listening, if you do have questions, uh, like he mentioned, you can hop on the website there and jump right into a chat. So you're welcome. Thank you as well. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Small Business Mastermind and a big thank you to our guest, Daniel Gillis, for joining us for two episodes and answering all of the FAQs I had about health spending accounts. If you'd like to learn more about health spending accounts, you can visit olympiabenefits.com to learn about Olympia Benefits' specific plans, or you can check out the podcast description for some more resources there as well. For anyone who's listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please consider taking a moment to rate, review, or follow this podcast if you have been enjoying it. It really helps us grow the show and allows us to bring on great guests like Dan. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you again very soon.